You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 35, and with me on this episode is Butters, back again from uh, NT Practical Rifle. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, going well. And I've also on the line got Andy. Uh, Andy, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm good, Rusty. How are you going? Good. Andy's, uh, one of Andy's many claims to fame is that he uh, won the uh, Northern Territory Practical Rifle finale that was just on the other week. Congratulations, mate. Uh, here's Rusty, thanks for that. Very good, and that, I guess that's what we're here to talk about. Um, but as this was a, uh, um, a an event as part of your series that you put on, do you want to tell us a little bit about the series and then also how this event came about? Yeah, well, um, well, this year we've really uh, got things going with a series up in Darwin, and um, basically just wanted to make a real proper official uh, shooting series for up here, and... Uh, we all, of course, we had a, a practice last year, as those would have uh, found out in our last last little chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, we've been having five uh, five Sunday shoots so far this year for the series. Uh, they were just like an eight tool lunchtime sort of a little match just yep. for um, the local fellas up here, and they've really enjoyed it. And uh, the idea behind the finale shoot, the two-day shoot, was really when I went down to the PRI that you run. Yep. And uh, that really inspired me to get uh, give the guys up here something really uh, competitive to work for and then also for the interstate people to think, well, two days of shooting, that's quite worthwhile of uh, yeah. to come up and have a crack at. Absolutely. And, yeah, and yeah it seemed to, go, seemed to go really well this year. And you had, um, how many people did you have? Uh, for the finale, I yeah. think it was about, I think it was 18, I think, including Bear and I, or 20, I'm not sure. I, good. Uh, a good turnout, though. Yeah. yeah, it was, I was aiming for about then, that, uh, that numbers, and, um, and yeah, it, uh, worked out really well. Fantastic. And Andy, you were one of the, one of the guys to venture off from Queensland over to, uh, Darwin. Oh, yeah, mate, I was indeed. And, uh, there was a few of us that, uh, came up from Queensland, and, um, one of the Queenslanders has actually been living and working up in Darwin, but uh, despite that, we're still going to claim him anyhow. Good old Lockie. Absolutely, mate. You've got to take all the state pride you can. That's right. Yeah, nice. And um, and so you're pretty happy with the running of it, Butters? It all, all went smoothly as you planned? Well, close enough? Yeah, no. It, um, it went a lot better than I did anticipate it to. Um, okay, good. I was stressing out something chronic, as uh, <laughs> some could understand. Yep. Uh, especially... Bloody bear being away on uh, course with work, mm-hmm. uh, he decided to be flat out for two months, but he did help out uh, every now and again, and I got help uh, from other blokes as well. But yeah, on the weekend it went really well. The uh, the weather was semi-kind to us. It was hot as buggery until the uh, the wind kicked up a little bit, and some blokes did feel that. Yep. Um, some didn't drink enough water, and they went home feeling a bit, bit under the weather. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, that was even the local blokes, but yeah, they come back the next day. They were good, good to go. Riders rain, and um, yeah, it turned out really well for the the uh, weekend. Everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. Nice. I saw a photo of the range. It was pretty wet. Was oh it- yeah, the um, the day before, I I had the range uh, open for all all competitors to go down and have a 
or a bit of a practice zeroing session, so you will. And uh, yep. yeah, the uh, build up where they got us with a bit of rain, nice little storm, and uh, yeah, poured down rain for a little while, made everything wet, cooled it right down. It was bloody beautiful and cool when that rained, and um, <laughs> yeah, that photo I posted, the range was pretty pretty wet at that stage, but yeah. um, of course. An hour later, it was bone dry again when the <laughs> when everyone had left, and uh, yeah, we set it all up then. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, it must have been a, must be a good session for it then, anyway, despite the weather. Yeah, I was actually hoping for some rain over the weekend just to cool things down. Yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, we are lucky that most of the the shooting was undercover with, mm-hmm. with the range set up, but. I was actually hoping it was going to rain when blokes had to go forward to the mound and, of course. and stuff them up a bit. Because <laughs> you're, you're just pretty sadistic like that, I've learnt. Just a, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> cool. And so, Andy, I was going to ask you, mate, obviously getting ready for the comp, what was your prep like? What did you do to get ready? Oh, mate, uh, it, it was abysmal. Um, I was just flat out with work and uh, it's become a bit of a tradition with particularly Scotty and myself to uh, – Seemed to have everything turning up, swapping rifles and uh, doing all the prep last minute, and uh, this one was no different. It's the only way to uh, do it. Had a, <laughs> it. It's become somewhat of a tradition. I really don't think we'd know what to do with ourselves if we were ready to go. <laughs> um, yep. We'd probably end up forgetting things, I think. That's probably right, yeah. Overprepared. Yeah. So uh, you go, had the, I, I run uh, Accuracy Internationals, obviously, and... Mm-hmm. Um, had a, the new one, I picked up one of the new short actions to match my uh, AXMC and it only arrived two weeks uh, prior to us going up there. And yep. so it was a mad rush getting uh, that all sorted. And uh, it pretty much, it was good that uh, the barrel that's on it is a 260 barrel that was on my old AX. So it uh, I had some known loads for it, which saved me a bit of time. But of course, the yeah. only real trigger time I got the, was the weekend before, out culling some deer and some bunnies and really didn't get to do a whole lot of practice, to be honest. That's 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 pretty close to practice for a practical shoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, practical in the truest sense of the word, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, nice. And, and you guys went in, what, Friday? Yeah, we uh, left Thursday night, got up there about uh, 2 in the morning due to some uh, delays at the airport on the way up. And yep. There was nothing like getting off the plane at two in the morning to thirty odd degrees and ninety percent humidity to uh, welcome <laughs> us to Darwin. Yeah, welcome aboard. Would have been loving that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, I kind of used to it a little bit with Queensland summers, but the problem was it hasn't been summer here. And we, the weekend before, up culling deer at night in the afternoons, we were wearing jackets uh, up in the <laughs> the Great Dividing Range to go up to Darwin. So it was a bit of a slap in the face. Yeah, right. Eh? Oh well, but it seems you uh, overcame the uh, the challenges. Yeah, um, plenty of beer and aircon afterwards helped. <laughs> That'll do. Always a good thing at three in the morning. Perfect. Nice. Sure. So, um, guys, I thought it'd be great to for both of you to be able to take us through the stages that you shot. Um, explain a little bit about the layout and and what happened, and then sort of any stories or, or things that you worked out from them. Anything particularly if you do differently. So, I'm, I'm reading the stage list here. First one's called improvisation. But do you want to take us through that? Uh, yeah, uh, improvisation was sort of more of the, um, one of the real older ones that we've been shooting throughout the year. So a lot of the local blokes had had a lot of practice at this one. Okay. Uh, essentially, the shooter was to start prone and, uh, for, for the finale, we only had the target at 200 metres, but it was a, uh, 
a small target, probably about four, four or five inches, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so from the prone position, that shooter had one minute and 30 seconds to complete eight, eight rounds. And uh, they had four positions to shoot, uh, two rounds per position. Yep. Uh, one was off a backpack. If they didn't have one, we gave them one. Uh, then two shots prone unsupported. Then two shots in the Hawkins position. And then two shots prone supported, where most of the blokes use their bipods. And, uh, yeah, it seemed to go all right. Really, um, made people think about time because, uh, I think a couple of people may have timed out on that one. Yeah, it's, but, yeah it, was it, one it, it might seem like you've got a fair bit of time to do what you need to do, but it gets away real, real quick, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it's only, it's only 10 or 12 seconds per shot and, um, maybe a bit more. Um, some blokes ran out of time when they were fluffing about, mm-hmm. uh, at the start of the stage there. Yeah, nice. How'd you find that one, Andy? Uh, yeah, mate, it was, uh, it was good. Uh, one of the first stages of the day, had a bit of a muck around with the sling, wasn't set up properly, so the uh, the old prone unsupported uh, didn't go quite as well as I would have liked, but <laughs> um, just sort of uh, accepted the fact that after I messed with the sling just a little bit, I just went kind of, stuff it, we'll just... Just run it, see how it go, and uh, got them all off. Yeah, I had plenty of time and everything like that, but uh, yeah... Uh, should have had a little bit more prep with the sling, making sure it was ready to go before I laid down. No, that's all right. That's life, mate. And the other positions with no drama? Nah, yeah, all pretty sort of standard stuff, nothing too complex there. So it was it was a good stage to start off and warm up and to, to get things going. Yeah, okay. And did you, all, did you all shoot like stage one first and then all move to stage two, or how did it work? So basically, uh, we got split into two squads, Rusty. Okay. Um, to, to go between the two ranges. So basically you had two stages per range. Yep. And uh, once each well, each squad had shot both, we swapped ranges. Gotcha. Uh, and that yeah, was okay. sort of the boarding stage. So not everyone shot the same stage at once. Okay. And yep. we were all sort of split up a little bit. Yeah, nice. Oh, that yeah. would have worked all right. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so we split everyone up. And uh, so a, a squad A and squad B would shoot together at the morning session of Saturday, mm-hmm. and then come Saturday afternoon, I actually mixed and matched those squads up. So half a squad B went with half a squad A, yep. and vice versa. So blokes got an opportunity to shoot with a lot of different people and obviously uh, interact with those other competitors. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, nice. So on, on to stage two, which is uh, on my list is 201. What's that? So... 201 is kind of the brainchild of my brother and Bear while we're at the, uh, the Victorian Precision Service Rifle shoot in end of June. Yeah, okay. And they had, I think they had a couple of frothies on board. So, uh, I think the idea turned to, well, why don't we put a darts board down range and see how people go with it? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we went with it and we thought, righto, we'll make the, the competitors try and score a uh, a total of two hundred and one points on the dartboard in as m- uh, least amount of shots possible, and and we worked out that the the least amount of shots possible to make a uh, two hundred and one score was five shots, and basically we scaled the uh, point system. So if you got it in five shots, you got your your thirty points. Yep. And for every shot extra up until ten shots, it was less three points so six shots was worth 27 
7 was worth 24 and so on and so on. Uh, it's 10 shots maximum. Uh, yeah. There wasn't really a time limit, but of course, if people were taking their time, we'd kick them up the butt and then say, yeah, come on, mate. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so, yeah, 10 shots maximum. Uh, if you made it in 10 shots, you got 15 points. Uh, if you didn't get to 201, uh, say you are between 200 and 181, you got 12 points, and we continued scaling down to, uh, if you got, say, between 1 and 100, you got three points. Yeah, now, nice. the trick with... The trick with this one is if if you went over 201, you had to deduct your highest scoring shot. So okay. for a lot of people, that was, say, a triple 60. And so they might score 210, and then they had to minus all their triple 20. And so 60 points was deducted, and uh, suddenly they're back to 150, and they've got to work out, how am I going to get 51 <laughs> points now? Yeah, okay. And... Uh, it worked out really well. Like um, a couple of blokes got perfect runs. Yep. Uh, Andy, Andy here, he got he got a perfect run. Nicely done. Uh, and so did another bloke, uh, Josh, who's Josh uh, Walker. He's only just started out, and he he'd had his ticket ticker CTR in three oh eight for about a week. Yeah, right. And he also he also scored a uh, a perfect run for that. So what that I'm stage. what I'm sensing is it's best to only have your gun for for a week or two. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't, you won't do very well. Is that- That's right. No, no, no preparation is the way to go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, if you get to know your gun too well, you'll be too cocky and you won't you won't focus on shooting. Something yeah, like well, that? Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe people have just shot their barrels out. <laughs> yeah. yeah <it's laughs> but yeah, it really did. We'll go with yeah, that. <laughs> it really did make people think about um, their equipment and their precision, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Nice. So, um and I, I read somewhere, heard somewhere, that was pretty popular um, for the weekend. That was one of the most popular stages. Uh, yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of good feedback from um, 201. It was our, our only paper stage, but I think, yeah, everyone seemed to really enjoy it. And, and what um, distance was it? 100 metres. Yeah, see, you look, so, you look at that, 100 metres on paper for a practical rifle shoot, and it was the most popular one there. <laughs> exactly right. I think it's there's there 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 so a fair bit of uh, um, swearing and carrying on. As <laughs> when, when, when you could see someone when they you'd be shooting or you'd be watching, and all of here you see hear someone you know yell out a curse word, and you know oh well they've just missed what they were aiming at. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Nice. And uh, and so moving off from two hundred and one, uh, it says slopes. What's one after? What's that one? Yeah, so slopes. So I should also mention stages one and two, improvisation and two hundred one were shot on a two hundred meter range, and yep. we also had a five hundred meter range running at the same time. So okay. slopes was on the five hundred meter range, and so we set out a steel target at four hundred meters. This steel target was probably about the size of a shoebox, okay. roughly. Um. No, no exact measurements. We were just cutting steel out, basically. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so slopes is basically uh, we had a bit of a like an inclined shooting platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably about forty-five degrees from the ground, and uh, essentially, blokes had two minutes to shoot three rounds off of the uh, the uh, sloped or the inclined uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And then they were to move around to the front of the frame and fire another three shots at the 400-metre target from the 
yeah, from the front of the the uh, platform there. Okay, good, nice, and uh, it went well. Yeah, same too. People were uh, cursing me because they hadn't <laughs> either done it before, or I'd actually changed the barricade on them. So oh, a lot okay. of uh, so if a few of the locals weren't real impressed with the modification. So it it just looks like a big old wooden frame with a long pallet sticking on the side. But what I did was I was a little bit concerned that um, some of the muzzles were getting a bit too low when blokes would reach around the side and use the the frame and not the slope as a rest point. Yep. And so their rounds was probably only going an inch or two over the front of the barricade. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, nothing adverse was going to happen by someone accidentally shooting the front. So I just added a just a bit of two by four running along the front of the the uh, sloped part, and that just raised everyone up an extra four inches. Yep. And those that four inches uh, height meant really messed with some people. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so that that your safety was your um your cover, but you just really wanted to mess with people. Oh, that's always my goal. <laughs> that's. I'm certainly getting a a real clear picture of your butters at the moment. <laughs> I think it's uh, coming across. So, uh, Andy, you want to tell us about the hedgehog stage? Yeah, mate. So the um, the hedgehog stage uh, basically had the the hedgehog barricade, as uh, as butters has affectionately named it. But it's basically just um, three or four bits of two by two by four sort of um, put together in a bit of like the old um, tank stopper barricade. Yep. Um, and you. Basically, we had uh, two steel targets. There was one at 500 and one at 300. And we had, what, eight rounds over two minutes. And you had to shoot from basically in the middle of the barricade at uh, the 500-meter target, I believe, from memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to shoot four shots there. Then you had to get up onto actually one of the points right up at the very top. And you could pick whichever one you sort of wanted to go with and then do another four shots at the 300-meter target. Yeah, all right. That's uh, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's pretty unstable too. There was um, some interesting positions being uh, adopted by some of the competitors. Um, <laughs> probably be best described as literally mounting the barricade. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there's yeah. Once you got up on those points, if you you weren't sort of putting a bit of weight somewhere else, uh, the whole thing had a tendency to start tipping and become really unstable. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds quite challenging. Actually, They're, I've seen that photo of that barricade, and it wouldn't be the easiest to uh, to sort of get really comfortable on. It, it looks a lot more stable when you're down the middle. It's not too bad, because yep. it's sort of mm. spread out so far at the bottom. You think it's oh, yeah, this will be right, and then as soon as you start putting some weight on the top, you realise oh no, this, this isn't very stable. <laughs> yeah, so, cool. yeah, you had to uh, improvise with it. Nice. We, we uh, everyone stayed safe. I imagine though, it wasn't that unstable. No, 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 it was definitely safe. It was just um, as far as building a, a good stable shooting position, uh, it wasn't really conducive to that. So it just yeah. required um, you to be a little bit creative with uh, your shooting position and how you went about it. Nice. Yeah, the, um, the, top, the top parts of that little barricade, it stopped people from leaning into it. So if you were to lean into one of those uh, positions on the top points, yep. the barricade would start moving. Okay. Uh, whereas yep. if you... It really forced competitors to either balance their rifle on the point or uh, some would even put their uh, deploy their bipod and stick it on the actual 
uh, one of the beams itself and then sort of hug another point and uh, that was actually one of the more stable points. Yeah, okay. The hugging position. All right, I'll have to give that a go. <laughs> it a, certainly yeah. created a few uh, interesting uh, shooting, to, <laughs> a bit of shooting to watch. It was good fun. Well, speaking of interesting shooting, the next stage I've got written here is Slinky Mark II Mod Zero. <laughs> now, I'm familiar with Slinky, but for those who aren't, but as you want to take us through that, and then you've got to tell me what Mod Mark II and Mod Zero mean. <laughs> uh, Slinky, I think we actually did the following day. Is that right, Andy? Or would we no, do it? No, no, I think no. I'm pretty sure. I don't, honestly, mate, it's all a blur. Um, I remember doing it when we did it. I'm pretty, no, no, I, it definitely was on the first day because um, yeah, we had, yeah, we no, had all the favourite stages on day two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I know which ones now. Um, yeah, so Slinky, uh, Slinky is an old concept of shooting a rifle canted at ninety degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear really wanted to do this while he was overseas, and he sent me back several several stage ideas to do so, and Slinky was the name for that. And um, So essentially we had our little staircase barricade that, um, that had four shooting positions. Yep. Now the shooter had a total of two minutes and two rounds per position, per four positions on that barricade. Uh, hit a target at 200 metres. Now, this was that small 200-metre target we used again. Yep. And for two of those positions, they could uh, shoot their rifle upright and they got uh, three points for those for positive impacts on with the rifle upright. Uh, but two, and two of the other positions of their choice, the rifle had to be canted 90 degrees to the left and then the other position... 90 degrees to the right. Mm-hmm. So there was, yeah, so four shots upright and then four shots with the rifle canted. And for those who had zero practice in doing so, found this very interesting. <laughs> I like how you use the term interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, even I still struggle with that, with that concept. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you go with it, Andy? Um, mate, I, I didn't do too bad. Um, I made a couple of mistakes, particularly with the candid ones, because, um, you know, it, it was a fun stage to watch, particularly just to <laughs> sort of spectate. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to get a fair bit of uh, video and uh, photographic footage. And, you know, I uh, sort of rushing around and went to shoot it, and I, I shot the, the canted shots first. Um, okay. So I shot, you know, bolt down, and I just went, I just shot that weak side and then went, bolt up and just shot that standard and then went upright and when I went upright I realised I still had some uh, stuff dialed on my elevation turret oh, no. so it completely <laughs> threw everything off and uh, didn't help my cause whatsoever but um, you know that's one of those little sort of simple mistakes that you look at and go yeah that shouldn't have happened and uh, <laughs> that's the way but, it is uh, you know, just literally put the put the GoPro down went and grabbed the rifle and said let's do it yep. and then it was you could, I, I was videoing Myself, I had it sort of someone else video, and you can see when I get to the first upright, I've just looked at my turret because I'm just straight in front of me and going, "Oh, you idiot!" And um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, other than that, no, it was a good stage. It was uh, certainly fun to watch. Some uh, it was uh, people trying to contort themselves into some very awkward positions. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge about that shooting on the uh, on either side, ninety degrees, is is how you actually hold the rifle and secure it properly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's particularly when you went bolt down for a right-handed shooter. You saw a lot of guys trying to lean over the top of their rifle and you know almost hang upside down, and it yeah. really. Whereas that's why I just sort of uh, swapped to my left shoulder and just went weak side, and I found that significantly easier. Yeah. Um, to get behind the rifle and you know far more stable and you know nowhere near as contorted as if I was trying to lean over the top of it. Yeah, good move, good move. I remember the first time ever trying, ever trying shooting a ninety degrees, and I was so worried about where the bullet was going to impact and trying to work all that out and get it all right. I um I didn't hold the gun too well and smacked myself in the face with a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely uh, saw a little bit of that up there with people getting awfully close to their scopes. I don't think anyone really copped one, but there's a couple, I think, that came very close to it. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do it, particularly if your mind's elsewhere. Ah, That's right. right. Very good. Now, the spotlighting stage came came after Slinky on this list. Um, was that – I'm guessing it wasn't shot at night. Maybe it was. Uh, so – Branching off a little bit, we did uh, fiddle with the idea of shooting a night stage, and um, and we would have been it would have been really cool to do, but we thought, no, nah, not for this time. We'll let everyone socialise at night. Uh, yep. But spotlighting, it was more to replicate an out a night out spotlighting. Yep. So we had the back of the we had the back of my Ute. Uh, blokes had start off off the Ute with their rifle waiting for them on the uh, on the roof of the. Of the, of the ute there and um on the word go they had 60 seconds to jump up onto the tray and try and hit the uh the two fox targets and a rabbit target that i'd personally bought from sean uh, at sts Nicely. and i nice thought oh, bugger it if i'm gonna buy them i might as well put them in the shoot so <laughs> yeah of course and i think i think it was a bit, it was an easy stage but i think people still enjoyed it because it was um it was just different and um it was heavily influenced by your stage in the pri where we did a similar thing um hopefully you didn't have as much uh, wind causing your problems no nah, but no and um not as much wind, but certainly no targets turning in the wind either. Yeah, I remember that. That's right, mate. That's really, a bugger. really challenging to hit that middle fox. Yeah, but, hey, I remember that. I had to. I ended up reshooting that stage because of the wind, and um, the uh, yeah, people enjoyed it, and especially hitting that little rabbit. Um, the three oh eights and even the the six five cows were knocking it around a fair bit, and then I nice. shot it with my three hundred, and <laughs> I finished. I finished up with. Uh, I hit all three targets in three rounds, and then Andy's Andy here. He's uh, uh, rode the stage for me, and he's come up and said, "Righto, all done." I said, "No, I haven't. I've got three rounds, so I've put an extra three rounds onto that rabbit's target and making him do uh, flick around the uh, do full loops around the target stand." And I was just having fun on that one. But um, good, yeah. I think everyone, I think, enjoyed themselves. What did you think, Andy? Yeah, mate. I think it was a pretty popular stage. It was one that you could shoot pretty quick. Um, had to transition between the targets. Nothing, you know, too far out there or anything like that. But, um, as you said, standing up and shooting off the back of the ute is something we all enjoy doing. So it was, uh, like I said, I think it was a pretty popular stage and, uh, the rabbit was certainly pretty animated, uh, when you hit it because it was a little bit closer. Yeah, nice. Nice. No, I should mention the foxes were between 210 and 200 meters, whereas the rabbit was a bit closer at 180 meters. Yeah, okay. 
Oh, good fun. Nice. And so um, from spotlighting onto Crosswalk. Yes. Now, Crosswalk was a stage that this uh, my mate of mine at work, uh, Josh Walker, made up, hence the name Crosswalk, where we ah, use right. the, the cross the cross-shaped barricade. Um, now, we des- designated this one as our tie-break stage for the whole match, which thankfully we didn't need. You're familiar with tie-break um, stages, though, aren't you, Butters? Oh, luckily, <laughs> I am. <laughs> but, uh, nice. We're, luckily, we're lucky we didn't need this because there was a lot of people that got the same scores and the same times. Yeah, wow. Um, this stage in particular, and you'll find out when I go through it, but a lot of people took too long and uh, timed out. And uh, as a result, all times were the same and a lot of scores were the same. Um, okay. But what, so tell what us, it involved... Tell us about it, yeah. Yep. So what it involved is our one of our older... I think it was the first barricade we made. It's a cross shape with six shooting positions on the top part of the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, from those six positions, you were to shoot uh, two at 500 metres two at 400 metres and two at 300 metres. Yep. Uh, and obviously you went uh, from the left to right, right to left, left to right. Um, it's a little bit hard to explain without a uh, diagram to point at. So if you think of the, the barricade as, as a bit of a, an X, you had the six position on the top and after each shot you had to swap to the opposite side of the X at the same height and okay. then walk, yep. Work, yep. work your way down. So after each shot, you had to swap positions. Even if you were staying at the same distance, you had to swap to the opposite side of the barricade, basically. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. And uh, so after those six shots, uh, should, the competitors were to go to a rope that was down the left-hand side of the barricade and shoot two shots at the 200-metre target. Uh, and then following that, it was two shots prone to the left of the barricade at the 500-metre target. So two, now, two shots off a rope. Yes. Right. If the rope is sort of secured between the, the two, the, the far left-hand points of the barricade, so it's secured and it's basically hanging up and down vertically and mm-hmm. yep. there's a couple of knots in it that you can sort of grab hold of or, you know, use to rest part of your rifle on a little bit. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah and a lot of people had um, had a bit of fun with that one, even though I was only at 200 metres, even... Um, there was a little bit of slack in the rope, and uh, so people didn't have a real sturdy, sturdy platform to shoot off when no, they were using I can't, the rope. Can't imagine it'd be solid. No, it was it was still um, still pretty good fun, and so they had it was a total of ten rounds with a two minute time limit, and um, and yeah, it's okay. a fairly it's a, it's a fairly generous time limit, and I believe it's twelve seconds per shot. Sounds like a fair bit of movement, yeah. though. Yes, there was a fair bit of movement, and um, a lot of people were getting to the rope, and and that was it. Whereas some people would finish with thirty seconds to go. So I think, <laughs> yeah, right, like again, and, and rush a couple of shots. <laughs> yeah, and I and um, but once you got to the prone, you could get two shots off within ten seconds, no problem. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, but again, people were, were taking a little bit too long starting on the first couple of positions. Once they got the hang of it, they were good. Um, but unfortunately, run out of time. How'd you go on that one, Andy? Particularly the rope. Yeah, Rusty, it, um, it was it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, as I mentioned, I tended to uh, 
shoot a bit quick. I, I finished up with a, a good 25, 30 seconds left, I think. And um, as, as with everything, though, I tend to always shoot as quick as I feel like comfortably can. Um, yeah. But it's something I think that should be sort of touched on a little bit with this style of shooting in particular is uh, unlike some of the other comps where, you know, as you're running out of time, people will, you know, let you know you've got a minute left on the stage or whatever else. Once you got in and you started shooting, you had to really sort of balance it because you had no concept of time and there was no one telling you when you were running out. Yeah. The, you yeah. basically shot and then you'd be, you know, ceasefire. Um, mm. And I think that's what caught a lot of people out is that sort of time management a little bit and not being used to sort of having to shoot under those time constraints. Mm. Absolutely. When you don't have, have indication of how you're doing time frame-wise, uh, it can be very challenging. And certainly under the uh, – so as a um, comparison, blokes in local matches would shoot a similar one to that. Yep. And uh, they would do it, no worries. They'd get through all the all the shots, but turn it into the uh, full-on competition that we had with the finale, some of those blokes um, got the yips and, uh, like we said, run out of time. It is amazing, isn't it? As soon as you go, okay, guys, this is, this is serious or this is – you know, we're going to count this one – People just yeah. lose it. They just yeah. <laughs> they were doing it perfectly before, and uh, and away they went. Exactly. Actually, a good good story to to a uh, good opportunity to give a dig to Greg, uh, who's normally on the podcast. We went out. You know, this is going back a year and a half ago to do actually some testing for the PRI, and we did a, a, a stage called two in a row. We had a target of four hundred, target eight hundred, and all day long he'd been hitting 400, 800, 400, 800, No dramas consecutively. No sweat. We said, all right, Greg, we're going to time you on this one. This is the one that counts. And we pressed the timer, and he didn't. He hit the 400 metres once and took six shots. And uh, so as soon as you say to guys, you, uh, you're, you're under a time limit now, they just seems to go, you know, just completely lose sight of what they're doing. I do remember that stage. Yep. Didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do so well on that one either. Neither did Greg. <laughs> and so I always take the opportunity get stuck into greg if we can yeah. <laughs> he can afford it anyway so what was uh what was on after um that stage i've just the next one sheet. we did was uh we had to swap around stages so the next one we did was staircase skills right and uh, now with this one i will admit i was struggling to think of another stage to come up with uh the coming weeks into the uh, shoot. So I basically had a couple of rounds, so six rounds to work with, and I come up with this one where we use the staircase barricade again. It mm-hmm. was one shot off each of the four positions and then two off the bipod. Now, all these shots were at 300-metre target. Yep. And essentially, uh, I had a minute and 30 seconds to do it in, and... um it was sort of a, a filler stage, if you will. Okay. Yeah, how'd it, how'd it go, though? Did people do pretty well, or was it...? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. I think most people got three-quarters of the, the impacts, okay. um, which is about what I was hoping for. Um, how did you go, Andy? Yeah, mate, it was um, a pretty straightforward stage, and all at the same distance and everything like that, so it was... And by this point, we'd all sort of shot off that barricade, so guys had a bit of an idea. But um, I think what uh, caught a few people out was you started up at the the top of the barricade uh, at the highest point and worked your way down before you end up going prone. And watching a few other people shoot, they um, 
weren't sort of positioning themselves real behind the rifle and their recoil management sort of uh, lacked a little bit. And what happened there was because you've got a spotter there purely for scoring, no one giving you any sort of corrections. So, yep. like, if you shot off that very top position and didn't see your miss, uh, it made it very difficult to then correct and then know where you were going for until you got down to where you were a little bit more stable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what caught a couple of people out is they you only had one shot and then you had to move on and you're also under time. So some people weren't even watching their fuller shot. They were basically just moving to the, the next position. But um, a couple of people, I think, missed the early shots purely because they weren't seeing where they're missing and being able to correct. And the Darwin range made it pretty hard to see those misses on some of those targets anyway just because of how flat it is up there. And a bit yeah. of dead ground behind That's uh, right. yeah. those targets. I think you sometimes find that what you call it a, a filler stage, but the you know a fairly straightforward stage sometimes, particularly if it's later on in the comp, throws guys off guard because they they think oh well, this one's easier and they don't give it quite the attention that it needs. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I think I um, shooting it myself, I was uh, guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. So that uh, does that bring us back to what splitting hairs for the next one. Uh, so that was, I believe that's the end of day one. That was the end okay. of day one then. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. And end it, of day once. And then, then what, you went back for a few beers somewhere or? Oh, we just sort of, uh, a couple of us packed up Well, um, everyone else went inside and, uh, had a couple of refreshments. Yep. And, um, it didn't actually take us too long to set up for the next day, which is really, uh, well thought out by me, I might say. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, that's what nah, I, I really appreciate about you, butters is your is your humility, mate. I've already always appreciated that. It, it kind of helped that uh, the old Optus network set everyone's phones an hour forward if you're on Optus, and everyone woke, that was on Optus woke up an hour early the next day. You know, like bear and turned up an hour early, pretty much. Oh, because yep, yep. yeah, no no daylight savings in uh, in Darwin. No, but the phone switched to daylight the phone, savings. The phone did anyway. Beautiful. Yeah, and uh, my alarm went off an hour early, and I'm up, and I'm, oh, we really better get a move on. We're running out of time here, so I'm kicking Scott out of bed, and he's looking at me funny, and then I've looked at me watch and gone, is it only quarter to six? He's like, yeah, and I went, oh, right, I He goes, yeah, I thought you were a bit keen turned on all the lights and everything. I said, oh, well, we're up now. Let's get going. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. I got a... Um, I got a text from Bear at quarter to seven going, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be about 20 minutes away. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, what are you on about, you clown? <laughs> and, and yes, so apparently that was uh, daylight savings went uh, into effect. And, um, nice. Stuff to cut people up. Oh, well, good, as long as there's a good story to tell. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and so what, did, what started out on the Sunday? What was the first stage then? So Sunday, Sunday morning session, it was, uh, it was still and stagnant and it did get a bit sweaty. Um, it was typical, very hot. <laughs> typical build up morning. Uh, and it didn't, it wasn't until later on that the breeze kicked in a little and cooled things down marginally. Yeah, right. But, um, but yeah, day two, uh, consisted of what I would consider my four favorite stages just in terms of what was involved. Okay. Uh, and so to start off, and I had I had Group A on tar, uh, range f- uh, four, which was the 500 meter range, and we started off with a stage called Splitting Hairs. And what it involved was the shooter was to start at the uh, the uh, main shooting mound, the concrete section, and 
they were to move forward about 25 metres to a, an old log that I just placed randomly yep. on the range. And there were there were some steel targets set up on the 300-metre mound. So the shooters were shooting about 275 metres at this target. Mm-hmm. Not a... Not a not an overly hard shot, but there were three targets side by side, and the two on the outside were partially obscuring the centre one. Right. And the deal with this one was you weren't to hit those outside targets. You were only to aim at the central white target. Yeah, right. And, and that wouldn't uh, have given you a lot of space to hit. No. So if you missed at all to the top or right... You hit a no shoot target. If you miss to the left, you hit a no shoot target. The only leeway was if you went high left or low. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, and if you uh, did manage to hit one of the no shoot targets, you basically reset your, your score for that stage at the start as yep. well. Yeah. Right. Uh, so if so, you hit the if you hit one of the no shoots on your fourth shot, you basically got zero for those particular targets. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so. So how it went was uh, you had three shots off that log at those splitting hairs targets. Yep. Uh, obviously, like Andy said, uh, you could hit your first two shots on the on the positive target, uh, but as soon, on that third shot, if you went a bit, been a bit, bleh, bit a bit wayward and uh, hit a no shoot target, that would wipe your score for the uh, the round to that stage. Right. Now this stage was eight rounds total, so yep. shooter. Running forward to the log, three sh- three shots at the splitting hairs arrangement. Mm-hmm. They would then move to the side of the log where I'd set out some nice carpet on the rocks for everyone because they've got precious knees and whatnot. What a nice bloke and you are. Would, oh, I'm thoughtful, aren't I? And <laughs> humble. Did I mention how humble you are? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had one of, uh, this was one of Bear's personal targets and it's a, I think it's one of the, 1K bullseye gongs from Sean at SDS. Beautiful. Yep. I think they're fun. Fairly, fairly generous, but what we did was we allocated a couple more points for the central bullseye yes. uh, than the outer white of the uh, of the target. So just to explain, a, a, a bullseye gong for the listeners is like a, a large circle and then there's a, a cutout in the middle with another target sitting behind it. And obviously that being the bullseye, if you hit that, that flips up, but you don't actually touch the outside um, yep. Outside yep. one, we use use them a fair bit, uh, and they're they're an yeah. excellent way of getting uh, getting print on target, but also then being able to score either higher or really getting what you're aiming for. So anyway, back to uh, back to you. So the shooters had two minutes and a total of eight rounds: three on the splitting hairs target, and then five on the bullseye target. Um, and that was obviously after running uh, 25 meters, and um, people now understanding the. The meaning of haste after running out of time. Some people were sprinting that twenty-five meters pretty hard, and then uh, breathing pretty heavy off the log. Yep. And um, yeah, people really enjoyed that one. I I like it because there's a lot of uh, it's a bit, little bit more dynamic than say standard barricade shooting. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, nice, Andy. How'd you go with that one? Yeah, good. I was um, quite generously nominated to be the first shooter of the day for this particular stage <laughs> by buddies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a generous, uh, he's, bloke. he's a generous bloke as well. <laughs> he is, he is. You know, and, he, and he even looked at me as he decided which way we were starting from. You know, with a big <laughs> grin on his face. Um, <laughs> but no, it was um, again. I thought it was a, it was a fun stage. It was pretty straightforward. Um, I 
I, I cleared the stage. I hit all the shots, and I think I hit two or three out of the the bullseye. Yep. Um, so it, it was it was a pretty pretty good stage, a bit of fun, and it was good. It was the first one that sort of instilled a bit of movement into it, um, and sort of put people under a bit of physical strain as well as uh, time pressure. And that said, though, there was plenty of time. You know, two minutes. It, there was more than enough time to get there and make the shots and take your time with them. So it was good. Yeah, nice. Did many people hit the no shoot? Only two. Yeah. Only Only two two or three shots actually landed on the no shoot target. Yeah, okay. Oh, good. And I think think two of those There were a couple of misses. Yeah, I mean, that's where people favoured one way or the other, trying to avoid them and uh, sort of end up missing altogether. But that was better than hitting a a no shoot on your third shot. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I think there was only actually two people that lost points or reset their score on that stage, and they were both on the second shot, so they still made up some points on that for their third shot okay, on the uh, nice. splitting hair stacks. Yeah, brilliant. So, and does that take us through to ambidextrous? Yes, it does. Um, ambidextrous was on the other range, uh, the yep. range, 200-metre range. Uh, this is similar to your... Uh, a two-stroke stage at the PRI. Yep. Differing being as they will be a little bit limited to uh, distance, um, but certainly we had a much smaller target. Uh, so shooters were to they had they were to start in the prone position with the rifle on their weak weak shoulder, yep. uh, depending on if you're a lefty or righty, of course, and uh, they could be mag in fully lock, locked and loaded, and on the command go they would start firing at that 200-meter 200 target. Now, once they'd impacted that target, they were to pick their rifle up. Obviously, bolt was retracted, muzzle down range, and this was for all stages where movement occurred. Was Muzzle was always pointed down range with bolt retracted for any movement, and um, we did try and stress on that. And so, yeah, once they impacted the target, they would move to a position that was probably about five, six meters to the their right or the opposite side, of course, and uh, they would then engage that target again with their strong shoulder. Yep. And the trick with this one was you had 10 rounds maximum. So if you missed a missed a shot, that was automatically you couldn't get top score, but you could still get your 10 rounds off, of course. Gotcha. And yep. there was only 1 minute and 30 seconds to do this in, yeah, which equated okay. to about nine, it was 9 seconds per shot. Yep, and a lot of a lot of people got really close. Um, I think Andy, you got eight, was it? Yeah, I think oh yeah, I got the, I got the eight um, after a little bit of a, a miscommunication there on one of the shots, um, where two of you decided to start yelling out stuff, and I thought I thought I'd hit it, then thought, sounded like you guys yeah, told me I missed it. I laid back down, then you said no, no, you hit it, so I had to get back up again, and so I lost a bit impact. of time there. <laughs> we both caught out impact. Um, uh, yeah, a few blokes got eight. I think um, I got nine, and I was being a bit of a dick, and I was trying to show off for the camera. Because <laughs> you're uh, Jason got nine as well, I believe. Yeah, I, I got nine, and I think I'd locked the bolt down and was just about to get on target when the buzzer went on me, my uh, final shot. But um, really well done to Scott Patel. He got uh, the ten. He got all ten. Wow. He got maximum. He was he, moving. He was hustling. <laughs> <laughs> And slight curse afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of um, huffing and puffing going on, and it, it really, by the end of it, you you were sucking in big ones. 
it's a good stage, isn't it? That style where you've got movement between every shot. Yeah, and yeah. Um, what people, I think what people enjoyed was uh, a lot of people haven't actually shot off their left shoulder or their their weak side before. Yeah. And one fella, one fella in particular, come to me uh, about a month prior when we had our final uh, Sunday morning match, and he's gone, butters. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, eh? And um, this is a particular bloke. He's um, been doing a really good amount of practice, really wanting to excel himself. And uh, he come to me and, and he said, what can I do? I don't know if I can do it. And I just told him, just try and just mag out. You might get a little bit more eye relief and uh, you might find that, that target a little bit quicker. Anyway, he tried it and his eyes lit up and he's actually hit the target and he's gone through and I think he... He did really well for that stage, and it's, and back also back when he uh, first tried it, he did well as well. Yeah, and, nice. Um, so it's certainly new for a lot of blokes, and a lot of them going into it, um and ahhing, but coming out of it with a smile <laughs> on their face, face, which was really good. Yeah, brilliant, nice. And um, and then on to the punt. The punt. Yeah. This was a floating barricade stage, which is always fun. Absolutely. Uh, so we went in. Uh, we have to thank the Darwin Pistol Club for lending us their their uh, floating uh, platform. Yep. Uh, essentially, all we did to modify it was we placed a uh, it's about a two meter long pallet, skinny pallet, enough room for someone to lie down and then have their rifle uh, supported on the front of the the barricade. And um, yep. So the shooters had one minute. And six rounds to hit a target at 200 meters, and it was again a, a smaller target. And I think some blokes did really well and got the six out of six. And uh, I think it's just a different stage where uh, people realise you can jump on there and get going, but most of their woes come from cycling the bolt too hard, and that would invoke a bit of sideways movement on the uh, the platform. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'll, I know I was certainly uh, guilty of being a bit too vigorous on the bolt and I would give myself a bit of sideways, whereas some people that would do it nice and smooth and uh, steady, they would get back on target and it was a simple up and down motion of the uh, the, the platform and they were able to get more impacts than, say, someone like myself who was too vigorous on the, vault, uh, the bolt. Yeah, you're, you're an excitable bloke, that's the thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And how'd you go on that one, Andy? Have you done that sort of shooting before? Oh, uh, mate, I uh, oh, haven't actually shot off one of the unstable platforms like that before, but uh, did well on it. Got all six uh, impacts and, um, yeah, sort of managed to keep it pretty well just backwards and forwards movement on the platform. So it was just really dealing with the, um, you know, uh, the up and down. Uh, so it made it a bit easier to time, just pick the spot on the arc and let the shot go then. And uh, Yep try and keep the movement to a minimum and the recall moves around a, a little bit but uh, not not a great deal. So as Butter said, it would tend to come more from uh, running the bolt than the shooting itself. Yeah, sweet. Did you guys have to get to the platform in your time or did you start on the platform? Uh, no, we, we had to get to the clear. platform. We started behind it. Yeah, okay. about five metres away. Nothing too... So it wasn't, it wasn't far but it meant you still had to get down and get settled you know, in that yeah. time limit to start shooting. Absolutely, that that's a big part of the challenge. Yeah, getting on and off can certainly um, throw start throwing things when you, especially when you saw some of the people rush and 
almost nose dive onto there to get there down in a hurry and, and the yep. thing starts you know rocking and swaying and had sort of had to let it settle before they could start shooting yeah <laughs> yeah nice and so uh, that brings us on to the last stage uh which is around the world yep i reckon this is my favorite stage too and this is one pretty much identical to one bear bear designed while overseas mm-hmm. the only thing that i changed was the actual barricades used so what around the world uh, involved was the shooter was to start at the uh, the um, shooting mound, the concrete shooting mound, and they were to move forward to the staircase barricade, which was on the on the uh, dirt and rocks right in front of the main shooting area, yep. and they were to fire six rounds at the 500 meter target. Uh, once they'd completed six rounds, now I should add in. Uh, they could shoot anywhere off that plat, any of these platforms or barricades that they wanted to. Yep. And they had total of two minutes. Uh, sorry, describe that. Three minutes, thirty seconds to do this in. Okay. And um, so shooter was start six shots off the staircase barricade, which is right in front of the firing point. They would then move forward to the hedgehog, which was at the twenty-five meter mark. They would fire four shots off that at the five, at the target at 500 meter mound. Uh, obviously, by the time they'd run the 25 meters, it was now 475. Yep. Uh, following the four shots off that, they would then again move forward to the inclined uh, platform, which was at the 50 meter mark, and they would fire two shots at the 500 meter uh, target. And then once they'd finished those two shots, they would move forward to the log, which was in fact at 100 metres down the range, and fire a further two shots at that 500 metre target. Nice. And obviously, once they'd got to that log, they were actually at 400 metres, not, not yep. 500 metres. Yep. And uh, this involved a lot of running. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine so. And uh, I think um, I personally really enjoyed this one. I'd never actually shot it myself. But I knew the concept would work because of uh, similar stages we'd done. Yeah, uh, done previously. Yes, and uh, I believe we should have some good, good little drone footage of that one. Ah, brilliant! Uh, to show you as well. Yeah, very good. And how'd you go with that one, Andy? That sounds like good fun, actually. It was a lot of fun. It was one of the stages I actually made a mistake on, though. I um. Shot my first six shots, and because it was obviously a total of uh, fourteen rounds, I'd set up with. Um, 10 rounds in one mag and then the second mag just had four to finish off and I shot my six off the staircase, moved up to the hedgehog and then for some reason fired two and then got up and started moving towards the uh, the next barricade and then as I looked down, as I was running, I sort of looked in my uh, ejection port to drop my mag and I'm like, oh, there's still rounds in there and I sort of just stopped and gone, oh, I was supposed to fight four, wasn't I? So I had to walk it backwards, go back to the hedgehog yeah. and... Um, Re- reset up my position, shoot again, then move up. And um, by the time I got off the uh, the incline platform, I knew I was uh, going to be a bit short on time and I really stepped it out, hustling down to the log. So by the time I got there, I was really sucking them in. Yeah, right. And um, it was good though. I didn't time out. I think I finished with about 12 or 15 seconds left, so I still had time. Yeah, um, good hustle but, then. But, uh, yeah, it kind of, um, yeah, just mess with me a little bit, you know, making that silly little mistake, just not counting my, sh- you know, just not paying attention and uh, uh, end up dropping a couple of shots there. But still, 
got enough overall, did pretty well with it, pretty happy. But, um, yeah, a couple of shots I certainly probably could have picked up. Well, I think, Andy, that probably really comes back to the course designer and they obviously haven't informed you correctly enough to know how many shots <laughs> you're meant to do. So I don't think it's really your fault at all. I reckon we could probably pass the blame back to uh, whoever designed that course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, bloody hell, this bloke. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I could, except it really was no one's fault other than my own. Um, oh, what a bloke, taking, taking the blame. But, you know. <laughs> He's a good fella. <laughs> uh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, that sounds like a really a really good course of fire. Well, well done to uh, yourself and Bear and whoever else was involved with that, Butters, to put that together. It sounds really challenging, but very mixed as well. Yeah, uh, that's what we sort of aim for. And um, overall, uh, I think it went really well. Yeah, nice. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. Can, can you tell us a bit about the, the equipment and the calibers and that sort of stuff the guys were running? It's always interesting to, to know what guys were doing with that. Oh, yeah. So I didn't really take any tabs on what people were using. In hindsight, I probably should have just got people to fill out a little form to say what they were using, what calibers, scopes, etc. Yeah. But generally, uh, a lot of it was quite high-end gear at this one. Like We ranged from... Oh, there's a couple of photos of a lineup of rifles on the second day. We thought, right, line them all up. We'll see what's here anyway. They range from Kadex rifle, uh, AIs, to tickers, uh, TRGs. Um, uh, we even had a Barrett 98B. Didn't shoot the match, but we still had it in the lineup. Is that is that Chris's? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was Chris's. Yeah, he nice. just, I don't know why he had it, but he had it. And, uh, <laughs> well, he just wanted to bring it out and show it off. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I reckon that'd be the the reason. Yeah, I reckon. Um, well, there would have been six or seven AIs. Yeah, well, at the match. I think we counted total five, five AIs. Oh, yeah. Five proper AIs. There was a few chassis and stuff as well. Oh, yeah, so chassis. Uh, um, one really well made chassis, similar to our AI, but um, obviously yeah, John's. Yeah, John Sunnett, uh, he did his own little take on it and he's done, he finished it for the match and uh, he did an exceptional job on that. He's uh, a lefty. Uh, he made himself an adjustable butt for that his own stock and uh, he just whacked some Viper skins on the side and done a really good job. Nice. Uh, oh, that, yeah. AIs, Kadex, uh, Tickers. Tickers did really well and a couple of Remington 700s. Yep. And I think majority of them were in 308 with a couple of uh, couple of 6.5 cartridges like Andy's 260 and uh, I think Simon, Simon Ross. Yeah, he 6.5, did, uh, 47. Yep, yep. And then there was uh, a single 300 win mag, which is a bit of a contrast to your shooting, uh, shoot, yeah, Dusty. Absolutely, where, where uh, that was the favourite one. Forget, yeah, and Lockie was uh, shooting his 22.250. Beautiful. So oh, it, was, it was moving. It was. It impressive. was. Uh, one thing I, I think should be stressed a bit, though, um, Rusty, is yeah, there was a lot of high end gear there, but you, it really wasn't the gear that that made the shooting um, as good as it was. It really came down to who was shooting it. Um, Jason Erbacher, who came fourth overall, um, I had to lend him my spare rifle uh, because he has a, a like you has a Ruger precision rifle. Yep. And um, unfortunately, he couldn't take it to Darwin because no, the, the laws up there. That's right. So, um, yeah, last minute he's gone. Oh, yeah, won't, won't be able to take it. And I've said, oh well, here I've, I've got a, a little loaner gun that I use for some other things, and it's just a little Howard. Yeah. Um, that's dropped it. Nothing done to it. Just a factory twenty-inch uh, fluted varmint dropped into an XLR mm-hmm. um, with a Night Force SHV, one of the four to fourteen F ones on top. Yep. 
And um, I think that, you know, whole rifle package has cost me, you know, less than three and a half, you know, less than a lot of the scopes that were on some of these rifles. And uh, Jason came fourth overall. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, so if you're out there and you sort of think about trying to do this sort of thing, you don't need to be running an AI or a Cadex or something like that to be able to get out and give it a go. That's pretty true because we had uh, we had Butters here with this massive amount of money rifle take out the PRI, but the guy who came equal first as well was running a ticker in a Boyd stock uh, with a relatively yeah. cheap Vortex on it, and so it doesn't have to be the uh, the high end gear. Uh, certainly is out outranked by the uh, the shooting quality. No, exactly uh, right. The, um, oh, the gear doesn't. Sorry, go on, Andy. No, no, you're right, mate. You go. Um, yeah, we just kind of agree with uh, Rusty that your gear does does not dictate the outcome of uh, the match, of of course, or your personal outcome. No, nah, very true, and I think um, yeah, I think a, lot, a few guys are put off by that, but you don't uh, don't have to worry about it if you can shoot well. That will certainly override gear. I mean, you know, good gear in good hands always always goes well, um, but yeah, don't it doesn't have to be that way. If I was going to pick one or the other, it'd always be the experience, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. exactly right. And I think the having the some of the good gear takes the excuses out of it a little bit. You can't blame the scope <laughs> or the rifle or anything like that. It Guys really still just, try, though, you know, don't they? They still try to blame <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it kind of makes it a bit hard when you look yeah. and go, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that gun. You you really <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the rifle's fault, that one. Um, and like, at, the, at the end of the day, look, I love my AIs and um, I've owned a few of them and still have a couple and... Uh, they're accurate, but they're no more accurate than a lot of the other guns out there. I think, like, mm. for me, it's some liability that I really like with my AIs. But um, you, you don't need that. I know it can be a bit intimidating, but you know, as we found out, you know, a lot of guys up there running basically factory rifles and yep. and like that how the Jason was using has had nothing done to it. You know, trigger hasn't been touched, nothing. And um, yeah, it was a really good good little rifle and it was just shot consistently and he shot it consistently and I think that at the end of the day is what it comes down to. That's key. Absolutely. Very good, guys. I had, um, I guess I had another question for you. Um, what, whether it be for yourself shooting this comp uh, specifically or if some of the other guys, what, uh, what do they say they might do differently next time or what would you guys change, um, not necessarily in the running of it but in actually competing in it? Um, I, I suppose I'll, I'll go there having sort of shot a bit more. I think for me, I, personally, I think I just um, try and just take a bit of time before each stage and make sure I had everything squared away because, as I mentioned, a couple of them between trying to run the camera and get some video footage and stuff like that, I sort of um, rushed my uh, prep between each stage on a couple of them. Yep. And I think I'd probably, for me, just take a little bit of a, a second before the stage to um, try and just get myself squared away, make sure I had everything ready to go and um, focus in on what I need to do to prevent some of those silly little mistakes. Yeah. And um, probably for me, the opposite of having to speed up, I'd have to try and slow it down on some of the shoots, just take maximise the time available yep. um, rather than rushing through a few of the shots. And, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you can rush off 10 shots and hit nothing and have you know a few good shots and hit it every time and you're going to end up doing better. Nice butters. Uh, probably very similar to Andy. Um, as a uh, shooter's standpoint, I, I shot the match, of course, just to to have a bit of fun with the fellas. But um, uh, I found on my on the first day, I didn't take myself seriously, and I was just sort of mucking around where I. 
probably should have um, treated as a real proper practice session. And um, yep. And uh, so yeah, just taking. I just need to take my time a little bit more. And uh, I was just trying to beat the clock really, and um, just wasting seventy-seven grains of powder per <laughs> per shot, making some noise. And uh, and um, yeah, but on the second day, I I, I thought to myself, look, I. I did muck around on the bit on the uh, the first day. I'll take it a bit more serious. Had the sling out for around the world and everything, and uh, and it just improved my personal score. Of course, in the end, it didn't matter. But sure. um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit of prep goes a long way, especially uh, knowing your exact holdovers or uh, if you dial what to dial, and mm-hmm. of course, preempting. What sort of positions you might want to use when tackling some of these barricades is certainly helpful, and um, so that's from a probably a shooting uh, shooter's perspective. Yep. As as a match director, I'm pretty much I just need to look at how I can make things a bit more efficient. Say if we got uh, say we got ten more people, I think we would have been going overtime a little. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so I just need to work out a little bit more efficient ways to do things. Yeah, nice. Did you did you have any feedback from other guys like what they would change, um, particularly guys who are maybe a little less experienced? Uh, not really. I haven't had a huge amount of feedback. The main feedback I had was actually from Andy, and I'll let him go through it uh, through it himself. Yeah, uh, a couple of the blokes. Um, it's not so much feedback, but they they want to do as a, a bit of a practice session with the, with a, a lot of the other fellows where we can run through uh, positions with them because mm-hmm. um, yep. obviously a lot of positions is new to them. A couple want to learn about using slings, sure. And uh, otherwise, yeah, I haven't had a whole heap of uh, feedback yet. Um, people were generally quite happy with yep. how it all went, nice. um, but. In saying that, I think there was only a handful there that had actually shot a similar match uh, okay. previously, and yep. and one of those was Andy. And um, I'll let I'll let Andy uh, fill us in on that. Um, yeah, oh, well, I don't <laughs> <laughs> put him on the spot. Why not? You know, I mean, like I said, I've had a little bit to do with this style of shooting, as far as you know, like I, the comp that Butters uh, is running up there is the one that Greg and I sort of developed to try and get going down here and yep. uh, unfortunately well fortunately they've had a lot more success up there than we have down down here in Queensland we've had a bit of resistance with it so it's good to see it up and running mm. um, and being able to go and compete in it it was a lot of fun um, overall I think everyone did really well like some of the newer guys I think are just learning how to build those positions and use that sort of time management to sometimes sort of look at a shot and go well you know what, this is a 50-50 shot at best. Anyway, I'm not going to spend, you know, 30 seconds on this one shot knowing that it's a, you know, it's a toss-up at best. Sure, um, yep. So, you know, make the best of it, do your best, and then move on to the, the more, you know, short points on, you know, some of the more stable positions uh, in some of that stuff. So I think, um, yeah, as Butters has mentioned, them doing a bit of practice and some stuff. I think training is a, a big one, Um if you're new to it, getting someone that knows what they're doing or going to some of the, the places that run training because it's a lot quicker and more efficient to have someone that knows what they're doing to look at you and see where you're making mistakes. It's very hard when you're learning to shoot this style of thing to self-diagnose issues. 
Yeah, and certainly. I think sometimes when you're shooting that sort of stuff, it, it's quite difficult to work out where you're going wrong. You know, is it something with your position? Is it with your trigger pull? You know, what's actually happening? And it can be pretty difficult to, to do that yourself, whereas someone that knows what to look for standing off to the side yep. can pick it up in two seconds and go, hey, all right, try this. Yeah. Um, and it can make a, a world of difference to your shooting as far as um, you know, improving pretty rapidly. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. And that's um that's one thing I have planned for the future. I want to get a few of the, the fellows that want to learn, that want to practice. Uh, I want to get them down to the range and not necessarily me direct them what to do, but I want to make it, say, set up a barricade and then we all discuss, big discussion between us all, just what the best way to go about things will uh, will be. And obviously, Joe Blow over here, he'll he'll have ideas that I might not think of and et cetera around the board. And, um, and something I want to do in the future is just to get people a little bit more accustomed to this type of shooting um, and obviously more comfortable with uh, this uh, this style of shooting as well. And, um, yeah, hoping to have that just a couple of practice sessions here and there where everyone can come down and, and learn a few things and yeah, not nice. necessarily just go through the motions. Mm. There's also... Um, more than one way to skin a cat, you know, just... Exactly right. You know, when you're shooting a position, something that works for you may not work for someone else. Um, and if something works for you and it's a little bit unorthodox, well, if it works, who really cares? Yeah. Um, but if it's not working, you know, look at making some changes and things like that. But um, overall, I think everyone there, that's one thing I really do want to stress is how good of a group of people, you know, that was at the match. Like, there was... I didn't hear a single argument. There was no fighting over points. If someone was about to make a pretty obvious mistake, um, people were more than willing to actually pull them up before they made it rather than go, oh, no, I'll just let them do it and tell them about it afterwards and try and go, you know, game a couple of extra points. Yeah, right, um, nice. It was a really good group of people that they were shooting. And, um, you know, one of the, the blokes... Um, as I mentioned in that little uh, after-action report I wrote up, had his rifle go down um, due to a bit of a reloading error. And, yeah, he had half a dozen offers of to use rifles and things like that and got to finish out the day. I think he got to shoot three or four different rifles to finish off the day. Wow. Okay, um, brilliant. Yeah, yeah spoiled so, him rotten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, he, he's, he wants to buy an AI after I lent him mine for a couple of stages. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. It was, yeah, there was no shortage of offers and there was no, no one there that was trying to screw anyone over. It was just a really great environment. I mean, there was the usual, um, banter and piss take amongst there has to each be. other. Which you'd, I mean, where Aussie, you'd expect it. Um, compulsory. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's lots of cursing at butters when people come to a stage and look at it and go, you've got to be kidding me, right? Well, he encounters, then- <laughs> he encounters that in everyday life, mate. That's nothing unusual. Yeah, well, yeah, it's butters, so what do you expect? <laughs> but, uh, no, it was. It was a really good atmosphere up there. I mean, everyone, yeah, at the end of the day, had a, had a couple of beers and chatted about everything. And, yeah, there was no uh, – if someone had a suggestion on how someone could do something better, they, they were more than willing to offer any advice they could. Really? Um, you know, so it really was a great group of people. Ah, oh, fantastic, guys. Well, thank you very much for your time uh, to have a chat about the competition. Butters, congratulations on a successful event, and we certainly look forward to hearing about when the next ones will be. Thanks, mate. Hopefully we can get uh, some 
summer USA mob up here for oh, the next we'll, year's one. We'll have to push them, mate. We'll drive a camel up there or something, get them up there somehow. <laughs> and um, and yeah. gr- congratulations to you, Andy, as well, for uh, taking it out for the first one. Good job. Yeah, it's, it's now, hopefully um, we can make it down to one of yours sometime. It'd be good fun, absolutely. Um, Andy, you've got a website that you've, uh, you're writing with. Do you want to give that yeah, a mate, bit of a plug? Um, oh, yeah, may as well give it a plug while we're here. We sort of, um, it's uh, just practicalrifleaustralia.com. Um, it's not dedicated to uh, any one discipline per se. It's got links up there for the um, comps. It just trying to make it a little bit of a central location for people to check out, see what's going on. Um, there's the links there to the precision service rifle stuff that um, Jared yep. and Simon and the boys in the New South are running down there at Hornsby and everything. Um, and then Butters and uh, put the after action report up. Butters is in the process of working up a, a bit of a, a beginner's guide to sort of give a bit of info for people looking to get into it that's going to get posted up there. So nice. um, hopefully we'll be adding some more info as we go and um, as comps start to kick off, um, anyone can have it. Like any sort of practical style comps, welcome to hit me up and um, we can put their info up there and contact details and just basically spread the word of this style of uh, practical shooting, really, regardless of the specific discipline. Yep, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll definitely, guys, check that out. We'll put that in the show notes as well so guys can click through to that. And for anyone living in NT up in Darwin, uh, make sure you get along to uh, what Butters and Bear have gone along there. We'll once again link that uh, also on the show notes. Wonderful, guys. Well, thank you for your time and uh, good luck with uh, whatever shoots you guys are involved with next and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Oh, thanks, thanks for having us on, Rusty. Easy done, guys. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.